cannot understand anything about God without understanding the wrath of the holy God on sin. You know, why does Christ hang between heaven and earth crying out, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Because sin is such a repugnant thing before a holy God that a holy God could not righteously just say your sins don't matter. They had to be paid for. And we need to continually hold out to our kids the fear of the Lord. This weekend on the Songtime broadcast, we continue our year in review as we hear this message from Ted Tripp talking about our series, A Proverb A Day in May. We'll reflect upon how to train up a child in the way they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Stay tuned for that message. But first, we'll be joined by David Mathis as we look back to our Easter study this past year, talking about how to reflect upon the work of Christ on the cross and how it changes and transforms us. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. This weekend, we are continuing our November tradition to look back over the course of this year and do a little bit of review, uh, looking back at some of the things that we've studied this year and the different topics and conversations we've had as an opportunity for us to reflect, especially leading up to Thanksgiving, opportunities to count our blessings and to name them one by one. And back during our Easter season, we looked at the final days of Jesus. Over the course of the the study of the Gospel of Mark, we saw all of the events leading up to the cross and the empty tomb. And in talking about that, we discussed the importance of, of looking at the story of Jesus with fresh eyes every single year. We talk about this quite a bit here on the Songtime broadcast, that we need to be reminded of the gospel. We we can never get to the place where we are simply assuming we already know the gospel. It's something that is calling us, beckoning us to continue to explore and to unpack and to go deeper every single year. And that is our real challenge for you. That's what this ministry is based on, presenting the gospel in new ways all of the time articulating the gospel so that you can respond to it, so that your heart is ignited by it. In this past year, we had the opportunity to talk with David Mathis, who wrote a book called Rich Wounds, exploring the real impact that the cross had on Jesus and what it has for us as well. And in this interview with David Mathis, we talk about his book, and I asked him the question specifically, why is it important for us to revisit the cross? Why is it so important for us to reflect upon the way in which Jesus suffered for us? Why is it essential that we repeat, revisit the gospel every single year? Here is David Mathis. Well, the uh, modern life may have conditioned us to uh, treat information in some ways that uh, is, is not very ancient, not very biblical. So, uh, the soul that wants to know him more is going to rehearse those details, and not just the same old ones. We, we, we want to see fresh things in the Gospels, but the place we're going to go to see those is in texts that we've read before. If we have heard a story once or twice or 50 times, read a a passage in the Bible a few times or 50 or 100 times, and think that we've gotten it all, we're really missing something significant. I mean, we will glory in the personal work of Christ for all eternity. 
And in some sense, we'll we will rehearse the same old things, but in rehearsing, we go deeper into those things. So one example of this is just uh, is is a good hymn, where you've got the the chorus that we come back to, the refrain, and then each verse adds something fresh. So that's your chorus. Your verse adds something new. Then you come back to the chorus. And the chorus means more the second time than the first because now it has the, the content of the second verse in view. Then you go to the third verse, come back to the refrain, and it means more the third time because now the third verse is in view. So I, I do think in, in the modern mentality, we have the sense of you get something and you move on. Maybe our whole educational process teaches this as we move from sequence to sequence. It's probably just an immature understanding of sequencing. But in the sequencing, there's also an increasing in depth. There's, there's a kind of spiraling or circularity to the moving forward and sequencing. sequencing. And so, I mean, this is, this is how the Christian faith works. We don't move on from the basic things over and over again. It's in Paul. It's in Jesus' teaching. It's in the epistles of the Hebrews. It's in 1 Peter. Uh, it's in 1 John that we don't move on from the basic things, but we go deeper and deeper into the basic things as we will for all eternity. Mm. Again, Paul in uh, Ephesians 3, he wants us to know the the height, the weight, the, the width, the depth of the surpassing knowledge of the love of Christ. Uh, you never reach rock bottom there. You can always go deeper. And, and yet, I think we've become so conditioned to hearing the gospel that it's become a little bit like white noise. It's become background sounds where we would notice if it was gone, we would notice if it, it wasn't presented in the church, but we don't, we're not really going actively. This really requires the individuals. You talk about meditation, the individual actually going deeper and sitting longer and processing and thinking through these things in a very personal and, and intimate manner. You know, the, the biblical illiteracy or just lack of biblical steeping, <laughs> attention, meditation, maybe part of it. So, uh, the way to keep the gospel fresh is to see it from Genesis to Revelation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, God gave us a a big book. <laughs> he gave us a book that is plenty big enough for this human life of four score and whatever it is for you, if you have that many. Uh, the book is plenty big enough for you to enjoy and pick up new details and go deeper in and always be learning something fresh. I mean, in one sense, about the same old thing, but in another sense, you're seeing something new and fresh. You're feeling something fresh. And so one remedy, maybe among others, for folks who would feel like, ah, you know, I've, I've heard the canned gospel. I've, I've got this very uh, thin, uh, rote understanding of the gospel that I've heard in particular words. You know, Jesus died for you, and here's the concept. These are spiritual laws. Or this is the way to tell it. And uh, And I would just say, stretch that gospel across and down into the scriptures from beginning to end, day after day, just a passage a day. Uh, God feeds our souls through his word, and he has given us a lot of fuel, a lot of data (laughs) in the scriptures in light of the gospel. Now, Now, don't go through the scriptures and forget the gospel and approach the scriptures in a legalistic way. Uh, Bring that whole sphere of grace that is yours in Christ and read God's word in Christ, as we talked about, in union with him and, and see afresh 
the texture, the detail, the multiple dimension, the glorious complexity of what it means to be made, redeemed, and in Jesus Christ. We've been listening to my interview from earlier this year, all the way back to our study and the Easter series. We've been talking with David Mathis. His book is called Rich Wounds, The Countless Treasures of the Life, Death, and Triumph of Jesus. It is a 30-day cross-centered devotional, and it is a great resource, not just during the Easter season, but honestly, year-round. We need to be reminded of the cross and sit and linger a little bit longer at the hill of Golgotha and consider what Christ dealt with, what he suffered on our behalf so that it would motivate us, it will change us. You want to be better at killing sin, you've been fighting that sin in your life, and you really want to address it head on, you need to linger a little bit longer at the foot of the cross. Uh, You want to be better witness, you want to be able to share your faith more adequately with the friends and family around you, you need to linger a little bit longer at the foot of the cross. Do you want to be a better influence on the next generation? You want to leave a legacy for those who come behind you. Uh, you need to linger a little bit longer the for the cross. It's not just something we visit once a year at Easter. It is something we visit every day of our lives. And that's what the foundation of our ministry here at Songtime is built on, preaching the gospel every single day. If you want to find out more information about David Mathis and this book, Rich Wounds, along with all of the other books that we have available, great books that are really just sitting on our shelves here. We'd love to get them into your hands. Get your Christmas shopping done early. Give us a call. Find out what books we have available. It's 508-362-7070 or head over to our website at songtime.com. Well, today we are continuing our year in review as we go back all the way to the month of May. Every year, We look at uh, the book of Proverbs in May, a proverb a day in May. It's a great time for us to reflect upon the words of wisdom, but also, and I think more importantly, it rhymes, (laughs) proverb a day in May. We want to challenge you to spend time in the book of Proverbs to grow in wisdom and knowledge, but also this book is designed to teach the next generation how to be wise and discerning in a difficult world. It's filled and packed with knowledge and instruction, and it teaches wisdom and discernment. And this is ideal when we come to understanding how to train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. That was our series, not only for Proverbs, but also for a conference. We had the privilege this last May of having uh, Ted and Margie Tripp come to Cape Cod and host a conference training parents and grandparents and teachers to train up the next generation. And in this message, we'll hear from Dr. Ted Tripp as he takes us to Proverbs, instructing us with the importance of passing on our hopes and our dreams and our ambitions and our faith to those who come behind us. Here is Ted Tripp. Proverbs chapter 1, there are three foundations really for teenagers in this chapter. The first is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The first foundational thing that we need to lay before teenagers, we need to help teenagers get a hold of, is the fear of the Lord. Now, as you know, we live in very perilous times in modern evangelicalism. We've emphasized the eminence of God. 
But we've lost sight of the transcendence of God. That this God is a holy God. He's a sovereign God. He's a powerful God. He's a glorious God. But we've, we've really made God into a celestial vending machine in modern evangelicalism. Where we put in our coins of Bible reading and prayer and we push the button to get what we want. And when we don't get what we want, we kick the machine. Now, I cannot tell you how many times I've had conversations with people who've come to me and said, I'm mad at God. And even in our churches, those kinds of expressions surface. And we need to help our kids get a hold of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'll just give you a suggestion. You know, about Bible reading. One of the things we encourage our families with. Read the narratives when the children are little. When our children were in that middle age, the debating period where everything is worth arguing over, we read the, the epistles. Because the epistles are finely reasoned arguments. But when our kids were teens, we read the prophets. What's the message of the prophets? It's judgment, isn't it? It's the severity of God. It's a God who is of pure eyes and to behold iniquity. A God who is willing to even cast His covenant people out of the land of promise and preserve only a remnant. And, and many nights, you know, we would sit around the table at the end of our reading after family worship having read these scenes of judgment from the prophets, really in a hush before this God. I remember one night, one of our kids said, you know, Dad, instead of having bumper stickers that say, smile, God loves you, we ought to have bumper stickers that say, tremble, God is a consuming fire. Because you cannot understand anything about God without understanding the wrath of a holy God on sin. You know, why does Christ hang between heaven and earth, crying out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Because sin is such... A repugnant thing before a holy God that a holy God could not righteously just say your sins don't matter. They had to be paid for. And we need to continually hold out for our kids the fear of the Lord. That's foundational to all of life, isn't it? The second element in this passage of Scripture is adherence to parental guidance and instruction. Really, remembering your parents' words. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. We need to help our kids to understand, honey, you have a mom and dad who love you. Teenage years are years when kids become distanced from their parents and they spend their 20s and 30s trying to become reacquainted. We don't have to have that happen to us. We've prayed for you every day of your life. Your friends for whom you're tempted to do foolish things do not love you like your mom and dad do. They haven't prayed for you every day of your life. Ask them. We love you. We're committed to you. I think a major problem is that parents give up on being a nurturing influence in the lives of teenagers. Parents conclude, my children are going to be more influenced by their friends and their peers than they are by me, and parents quit striving to be an influence in the lives of their teens. Third foundational issue in this passage is disassociation from the wicked. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Now, I'm persuaded the if here is not, should such a strange thing ever happen as the enticement of sinners. Wicked people are going to endeavor to turn your kids on to all manner of wickedness. And we need to help our children to know how to resist that onslaught that is coming at them all the time. We have a culture that is not easily quarantined. Those wicked people that try to turn your children on to wickedness are not old people that are dangerous people that they can watch out for. They're young people like your kids. But I want you to notice something else in this passage. What is the attraction of camaraderie with the wicked. My son, come along with us. Now circle us in your mind's eye. Come along with us. Let us lie in wait for someone's, for someone's blood. Let us waylay some harmless soul. What is the attraction of association with the wicked? It's belonging. 
We're dealing with teenagers. They feel insecure about themselves. They're wondering if they're marketable, if someone's going to come into the Walmart of life and put them in the basket and take them home. They're apprehensive about the future. They're unstable emotionally and in the world of ideas. They desperately need a place where they belong. They need to be embraced. They need to be welcomed. We need to make our homes places where teenagers belong. There are so many displaced kids in this culture. If you have a home that welcomes teenagers and you've got teenage kids, you will have no shortage of kids. Now, obviously, if we're going to do the things I'm talking about, we're going to have to communicate with our kids. And if I ask you about your communication skills, most of us immediately, instinctively think of our ability to express our ideas with words. And I would like to submit to you that in a biblical vision, the finest art of communication is the ability to understand the other person. The Proverbs speak to that with such poignance. In chapter 18, verse 2, the fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinion. I had a conversation like that one time with one of my sons. I had gone into his room to talk to him. I had something on my chest that I wanted to get off my chest. And so I, I went in, I talked to him. I wasn't abusive or mean or unkind, but I said what I wanted to say. I said, I'm glad we had a chance to talk together. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to go to bed. A few minutes later, there's this knock on the door. Dad, are you still up? Yeah, come on in. What's up? I said, Dad, I just wanted to say that when you uh, left the room, you said you were glad we had a good talk and I just wanted to say that I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I said, oh, forgive me. I had a good talk. You had a good listen. Sort of. If you've been going to say something, what would you have said? He said, now this is vintage teenager. He said, I don't know. It doesn't matter now. I just want to say I didn't say anything. There's a subtext here. The subtext is I'm not going to be that easy. If you want to know, you're really going to have to reach out for it. I was a fool that night. I could have said everything I wanted to say in the context of drawing him out. I had things to communicate that were appropriate and necessary, but I was a fool in the way I went about the task. I would have to say many times my kids had had a dad who was unable to sympathize with their weakness. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to do what Christ does for us. I want to understand his struggles so intimately that I can look at the world through his eyes. Then I know how he needs to hear the message of the gospel and grace and the calling of God on him. I was having lunch with someone. They said, you know, this stuff that you're talking about is time consuming. You're right. I'm persuaded we have no more important calling in our lives when we have children at home than to shepherd the hearts of our kids. May God give us grace and wisdom to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace and your goodness. We pray, O oh God, that you would help us to be people who show our kids the glory and goodness of your ways. O oh Lord, help us to be people who help our teenagers to see the fear of the Lord, the importance of adherence to a parental discipline and wisdom, and the importance of disassociating themselves from wickedness. Grant us grace to be parents who are engaging our kids, who are communicating with them, who understand them. Grant us this, Lord, that we might raise up from our homes a holy seed for your church. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, my birthday is just a few days away, depending on whether you're listening to us on Saturday or Sunday, or even on a podcast, you could be listening to us any time of the year. Well, my birthday is just a few days away, and for this year, 
I'm encouraging you to support the ministry here at Songtime as we seek to articulate the gospel every day and bring the many voices together for that one message. Could I challenge you to support the ministry that we're doing as we seek to reach many across the airwaves and the interwebs? All of these opportunities that we have to promote the gospel, to advance the kingdom, your support your prayers, your financial gifts, uh, your contributions to this ministry help us carry on that message. You really are a partner with us. We are 100% supported by our listeners. In fact, the only way that we can stay on the air is with your generosity. Maybe you've never given before. Every donation counts. Just give us a call or send us a letter, send us a note, head to our website and send us an email. All of that helps contribute to the greater cause of what we're trying to do and promote the gospel and spread the good news as the kingdom of God advances in our communities. We want to encourage you, and if you have been encouraged, then then there is an opportunity for you to be an encouragement to others and certainly an encouragement to us. So write to us at Songtime Radio. P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or you can give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse for this year in review, Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him.